This is the Italian Citizenship Podcast, hosted by Marco Permunian and Rafael Di Furia. Hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Italian Citizenship Podcast, presented by Italian Citizenship Assistance. Com. Of course, we are back at it again with Italian attorney Marco Permunian. How you doing, man? Good, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks. And today, we wanted to hop in and answer some of your questions that have come up on past episodes of the podcast here on YouTube. Of course, if you're listening to this as an audio-only podcast and would like to submit questions, of course, you can do that on YouTube or through the contact form on Italian Citizenship Assistance website. And of course, like the title of this episode says, we are going to be mostly focusing on 1948 cases. Um, this first question that we're going to be going over actually came from the uh, in relation to the last most recent update from December, uh, an update from the Italian government saying that the court of Rome may not actually be the place where people will have to go in the future uh, and in the future maybe start using local courts rather than the court of Rome. So, of course, this is something that we still haven't seen yet how everything is going to go because at the time of recording this episode, uh, it is still before that June date. So, just keep that in mind with this question that is coming up right now from user Chris C. Can we use the same lawyer in these new areas? For example, will the same lawyer that practiced in Rome, would they be able to take a case in Sicily? Does that mean they need to find a different lawyer that will handle the 1948 case in the specific area? How's that going to work? Can, can a lawyer uh, that would have been helping somebody with a case in Rome, will they be able to practice elsewhere or are they gonna have to find somebody else to work with? In Italy, a lawyer can practice anywhere in the country. So the answer is that you don't need a local lawyer. If you're filing in local court after June, you can rely on an attorney that you trust, even if that attorney is not physically located uh, where the local court is, which means that all of our clients that want to use ICA can use ICA even if the case is going to be filed in a court uh, which is far away from our office, in uh, be it Rome or Sicily or anywhere in the country. Uh, now, what ICA will do is will physically travel to the court um, and attend the hearing. Um, now, with the most recent updates, it's not even necessary anymore to physically be um, present at the court to file the case. You can file the case uh, remotely, you can file it with the most advanced systems that uh, the Italian uh, judicial system has in place right now. So uh, really the only um, time where uh, an attorney or us is required to be present at the court is during the hearing or hearings, but like I said in other videos, normally only one hearing is needed there is normally not the need for a second hearing but even if there mm -hmm. was the need we would still go in person and i'm saying this because there will be attorneys out there that will delegate another attorney um to attend the hearing uh and to argue the case in front of the judge of course uh the problem with that is that even if it's totally legal and up to the attorney that you choose uh the problem is that the local attorney delegated by the law firm that the client has engaged may not be as 
expert in the topic as the uh, attorney of record may be. And that's why we never do that. We always go in person uh, to argue with the judge. We never hire or delegate the case or, or the need to attend a hearing to a third party attorney uh, who may be local. Well, that's that's very good because I know, um, unfortunately, there are some some uh, firms out there that don't do anything themselves that they delegate outwards and sometimes unfortunately to individuals that have no clue what's going on but i know i can say just based on having been friends with you already for for quite a few years now it's kind of crazy how these years have gone by but already for a little while um to know how you guys work to know what you do and how you do it that you're you take your jobs very seriously and that you make sure that you give the attention that is necessary but uh, just moving on to the next question um, also actually from chris c but with a little bit of a little follow-up from uh with some interest from another user on youtube uh that goes by studio artist how would the new judges rule in these areas? Judges in Rome have a fairly consistent track record. Are these new judges that are going to preside over new 1948 cases, will they interpret the law the same as Rome did? And the studio artist followed up by saying, yeah, I'm wondering if it's more risky to follow uh, to file outside of Rome. And so I think those are actually some really valid points. Of course, there's no way to know 100%, but based on your knowledge of how things work there so far, do you have any indication of how things may go? We we did kind of briefly talk about this in a Q&A episode that, uh, that should have come out uh, maybe a few episodes before this. Uh, but maybe just to retouch on that subject, what would you maybe have to say about that specifically? It's a very good point, very good question. As we said in the video that you just mentioned, uh, after June, of this year, it will be necessary to file your case uh, in a local court where your ancestor uh, was born. So if your ancestor was not from the Rome area, you will not be able to file your case in Rome. Now, uh, whether that will be a more risky process that I doubt, because first of all, we will provide the local courts with uh, all of the favorable rulings that we um, got in Rome for other clients so of course you can always show the judge precedence even if uh, those rulings were uh, issued by a different court so we'll definitely do that and um, it, it will actually probably be advantageous and beneficial to use a local court because we believe that the uh, processing time the length of the process will be uh, much less because the goal of the law that basically said that you now have to use the local courts is to decrease the workload of the court of Rome. So it goes without saying that uh, the goal of the law is to have quicker processes. And we believe that that will happen. Of course, every court is different from the other. There are some courts that are uh, knowingly slower than other courts in other areas of Italy. Uh, so people can contact us uh, for uh, suggestions and recommendations and even possible predictions about a specific court that will have to be used. But ultimately, I don't believe that the process will be more risky. And like I said, because the arguments which we will make to win these citizenship cases are very solid, and I highly 
doubt that any judge in the country will have anything to say regarding uh, the arguments that we normally make and regarding uh, why uh, people qualify, people who have a female ancestor in a 1948 case qualify for Italian citizenship. But also, like I said, we will be making sure that the local court is aware uh, of all the cases that were won in Rome. That's really interesting to hear about and interesting to hear about your your plan of uh, how you'll be moving forward with these. Uh, but just to move on, a uh, part of this question you've already answered, but uh, so you can just kind of focus on the first half of this from user grateful 908. Will it cost more for the venue change? And are the Comune judges or local judges rather uh, more favorable towards a 1948 case? So you've said that already, that there's not really necessarily any kind of track record. So for the venue change itself, will it cost more? Will it cost less? Will there be a price difference uh, overall in the end? The process per se will be the same exact process that you would file in Rome. So the filing fee will be the same filing fee and the process will have the same exact stages and the steps in the process will be the same. So uh, no change, no big change really in the process or in the fee to be paid to the court. Um, so at the end, what will be different is that uh, your attorney will have to travel to the local court. And like I said, if you use ICA, we will be traveling because that's the best thing to do. So the only expense that will change is the travel costs. Of course, we're talking about Italy, a relatively small country. So right. traveling within Italy is normally not that expensive. Um, so I want to say no big changes there. Right. No, I mean, I, I can say there are some parts of the country that I've been to where even staying in the center of a major city was quite inexpensive so um, or at least re relatively speaking in comparison with most other places that i've ever been around europe or even in the united states for that example so just anybody who's thinking about traveling to italy sometimes you can be surprised so definitely worth keeping in mind uh, but you can also be surprised on both ends of the spectrum <laughs> Um, but to move on to the next question from serena from florida i'm assuming fl or fi um, this is pretty cool. Thanks. Love the show. Quick question. Well, glad you're enjoying this, Serena. <laughs> My paternal direct grandparents are from Italian descent. However, I'm a 1948 case. If I moved to Italy using a visa, am I eligible for naturalization after three years? If yes, after I naturalize, would my son be eligible to naturalize as well? The answer to the question is yes. If you have an Italian-born parent or grandparent, you are eligible for uh, Italian citizenship through naturalization after three years of full-time residency in Italy. And we talked about the process for citizenship through residency extensively in other episodes. But since it was mentioned that the case was a 1948 case, I believe uh, her question could also be read as does it make sense to file a 1948 case or should I go through the naturalization process? Well, at the end of the day, um, I believe that uh, the choice is personal. I believe that a 1948 case will be quicker. Uh, would it make sense to do both at the same time? Probably. It, it is possible to file both a 1948 case and relocate to Italy on a visa uh, with the purpose of applying for citizenship through naturalization. 
if there are no major delays with the 1948 case, then the decision on the 1948 case, if it's favorable, favorable, should come sooner. So you might find yourself in a situation where you have resided in Italy for some time uh, and you're not yet at the point where you are eligible to apply for citizenship through naturalization because like we said, it takes three years and the decision for the 1948 case may have come already. So it, it makes sense to do both. Yes, because like we said in uh, this episode or the previous episode, there is a minority of cases that carry some risks, uh, 1948 cases that carry some risks, especially if you have an ancestor who became naturalized when the child was a minor. Um, and I encourage people to look, to watch at the previous episode um, that just came out probably a couple of episodes before this one where we talked about that issue specifically and that's why it may make sense to do both processes at the same time also i believe it's worthwhile keeping in mind that to apply for citizenship through naturalization you'll have to uh, pass a language test which is not required for a 1948 case um, so that's one of the reasons why it may be worthwhile to pursue both avenues at the same time. And there are no legal impediments for you to do so. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And so just maybe for the, 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 the second part of the question, um, if she were to naturalize, would her son be eligible to naturalize as well? What would his path to citizenship look like? I mean, I would assume that if she would be doing a 1948 case, that might just be easier so that they can both do it at the same time. Exactly, exactly. But regarding the naturalization uh, path, only if the child is a minor, when the mother in this case becomes a citizen through naturalization, then the child will be included. Otherwise, if the child is an adult, and because this person uh, was saying that she is eligible to apply for citizenship through naturalization through the uh, quicker path, the three years path through a grandparent, and because that person will be the child's great-grandparent and the child, if the child is already over 18 when the mother becomes an Italian citizen, wouldn't have the same ability to apply for citizenship through naturalization after only three years. So uh, it's important to understand here that only if the child is under 18 when the mother becomes a citizen through naturalization, then the child would be included. Uh, mm -hmm. But for the 1948 case, uh, regardless of whether the child is an adult or a minor, as long as the child is included in the process, the child will become an Italian citizen through the 1948 case together with the mother. Fascinating. Um, and uh, just to move on to the next question uh, from user PWLOM, if pursuing a 1948 case, grandmother, father, me, and suing the, in the court in Rome, do I also need death certificates from my grandmother and father uh, as it's not the embassy or consulate in the US where a death certificate for all direct ancestors are needed? You probably will win the case even if you don't have those because ultimately providing the court with a death certificate uh, doesn't really serve any purpose, but uh, providing more documents to help establish the identity of the individuals in your Italian line. So my answer is uh, death certificates are not required, strictly required. Uh, do I advise to get them? Yes, if possible. If there are no major issues with the death certificates, I would definitely provide them to the court, even if they're not strictly necessary, but they help 
um, you know, there are more pieces of the puzzle that help the judge have a better understanding of your family history. Interesting. I, I guess it makes sense. You may as well be not only prepared, but a little over-prepared and have all your bases covered. Definitely can't hurt in this case, um, in this situation. Uh, but to move on to the next question from Faith C. Okay, so can my great-grandfather pass down the citizenship to my grandmother, born in 1944, and then she passes it down to my father, born in 1968, without a 1948 case? Somehow this is still unclear to me. So this is something that I think is a question that's worthwhile getting into, because there can be confusion about who is it that gave birth before what year and how does that all work? And I know even when I went through the process for, for, for Italian citizenship by descent, maybe I have to do a 1948 case because someone in my family line, it was this and that and the other, it was a female and the male. <laughs> so I understand how confusing it can be. So in this person's situation where her grandmother was born in 1944, to a male, and then her father being born in 1968 to that female born in 44. Is a 1948 case necessary, or what's the situation for her? Yeah, like you, like you said, there is a little, some confusion around uh, who needs to be born before what year. Um, but the answer to um, this user's question is that this would not be a 1948 case and that's because there's a woman in the Italian line who gave birth to her child after January 1st 1948 so basically what you have to look at is uh, when the child of a woman in the Italian line was born if that child was born prior to January 1st 1948 meaning when that woman still didn't have the ability to pass her citizenship to her child then you would have to file a 1948 case otherwise even if the child was born one day after the Italian constitution came into effect so after January 1st 1948 then it would be a normal situation a normal case mm -hmm. uh, because the child at that time at the time of the birth would have had the ability to receive his Italian citizenship from a woman, from the mother. No, it makes sense, especially because you were mentioning um, just about when it's the woman that gives birth. And in this situation, it was a great-grandfather with a daughter. So even though she was born in 1944, she's not the one that you have to worry about. So definitely fascinating. It's always, I mean, even though I understand all of these processes, always getting to learn more and hearing more about these details, uh, it's always great to hear this refresher on how this all works. Just because this is this whole huge field is so vast and there's so many little details that you have to consider and take into account. But just to move on to the next question from Charo PG, thank you. So after the ordinance is final, who sends the ordinance to the registry office where my ancestor was born and who registers my birth certificate? Is this all done by your legal office? So in this case, meaning Italian citizenship assistance. And how long does the administrative procedure of the registry office currently take? Receiving the order, registering, enrolling the petitioner in the IDA, and so on. Thank you. Well, thank you, Chato. Marco, what do these things look like at this point in time? So... I believe the first part of the question was, does ICA take care of that? Yes. Unlike other law firms, uh, our 
full package includes not only the procurement of all the documents to support uh, a, a citizenship claim and uh, the representation in court, but also whatever comes after the ruling, meaning that uh, we also assist with the uh, registration of the final judgment and birth certificate or birth certificates of all the petitioners in the Italian municipality, as well as with the registration with the AIRE and passport application. Now, how long does the process of registering the final judgment in the municipality takes? It depends. Now, there are 8,000 municipalities in Italy, and as you can imagine, every municipality is different. Uh, I said it in other uh, episodes, uh, the bureaucracy in Italy and the efficiency of the public offices may at times not be the best, so it highly depends on the municipality that you're dealing with. If the municipality that you're dealing with is very efficient, not burdened by other uh, urgent situations like elections or uh, lack of personnel, um, then the process may take as quickly as just a few weeks for them to register the judgment and the birth certificates, uh, as opposed to municipalities where... um, efficiency is not the rule or maybe they're experiencing some other issues uh, because with public offices in Italy we are at times experiencing issues related to lack of uh, personnel and and not enough people working in the comune Mm -hmm. well it may take a couple of months now once the judgment is registered at that point you have to register with the AIRA if you reside abroad through the consulate and that can take just a couple of weeks and then uh, book an appointment to apply for a passport and also that depends on the workload of the consulate because some in some consulates booking an appointment for a passport is easy and the uh, appointment that maybe they have appointments uh, availability very soon but in some other consulates there is a long wait time meaning even two three months to get an appointment to apply for a passport once you apply for a passport normally the consulate will mail you the passport to your home address in America in just a couple of weeks. Interesting. So there's really some involvement even after the case. And uh, it's great to hear that you guys are able to actually assist with that because I can imagine somebody who would go through this process and have an attorney that might say, hey, all right, now, great, we did our job. You go off and have your fun. I mean, like you would feel so just abandoned that 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 point. Like, come on, we've already gotten this far. Why can't we do the rest? <laughs> Unfortunately, it seems to be the rule for most law firms. I mean, it's just because, you know, as a law firm, uh, your job may be considered to be uh, finished when you obtain the mm-hmm. final judgment. But because we are not only a law firm, but... Uh, international company um, it's it's our duty to um, follow through with the process and that's something that we have always offered from the very Mm. beginning from when we started the company including our service we assist you until the very end of the process until you have an italian passport in your hands that's really so fantastic and so refreshing to hear that that's something that you guys do. I mean, really hats off to you guys as always from me. I mean, I, I, like I've said so many times, I have only respect for what you and your team do. But just to move on to the last question of this episode from Joseph P. Does the U.S. Cable Act of 1922 come up a lot during 1948 cases? Very interesting question. Uh, 
it does come up, not a lot. A standard 1948 case doesn't have uh, any reference to the 1922 Cable Act, but a subcategory of 1948 cases uh, does uh, involve the uh, 1922 Cable Act because you may find yourself in a situation where both of your ancestors, male and female, became naturalized. But the female didn't become naturalized by choice, but because she was married to someone who was becoming naturalized prior to 1922, prior to September the 22nd, 1922. In other words, if the male ancestor became naturalized prior to uh, 1922, or if your male ancestor was an American citizen born in America with no ties to Italy, but if the female was married to him uh, prior to 1922, the female would have become naturalized if she was born in Italy, completely automatically and involuntarily um so there are a couple of different scenarios it could be that the woman was married to a man who was becoming naturalized before 1922 mm-hmm. then they would have become naturalized at the same exact time but she would have become naturalized completely automatically or involuntarily or mm-hmm. it could be that the man became naturalized uh in the u.s and subsequently got married to an italian woman and that's when she would have become naturalized completely automatically and involuntarily if the marriage took place before 1922. Or a more rare scenario, an Italian woman married an American man um, before 22, and she would have become a U.S. citizen involuntarily just because the U.S. law prior to 20, 1922 said so. So if your female ancestor became naturalized automatically and involuntarily, you can make a claim completely based on that so even if she actually did become a u.s citizen she didn't make any petition she didn't choose to do so so she became an american citizen completely involuntarily just because of the law in effect in america prior to 1922 and you can use that to make your claim and be successful um you would basically argue that the although the u.s naturalization was valid in the eyes of the u.s government it didn't cause the loss of Italian citizenship, and there are legal precedents that have established that, that because the woman didn't make a petition, because she didn't decide to become a U.S. citizen prior to 1922, she just happened to be married to someone who was a U.S. citizen, she never lost her Italian citizenship. Fascinating. It's interesting how one lock from one country can end up so much affecting uh, a person's citizenship and situation from another. But anyway, Marco, again, thank you so much for making yourself available to answer all these questions from, uh, from, the in- from the individuals who have left these questions. But of course, if anybody is needing any help with this process, how can they get in contact with you and your team? People can contact us through our website, italiancitizenshipassistance.com, or give us a call, the numbers on the website. Absolutely fantastic. And of course, if anybody is interested in more content like this about Italian citizenship and of course for Italian real estate, be sure that you're subscribed to the YouTube channel. Or if you're only interested in Italian citizenship, you can subscribe to the Italian Citizenship Podcast on your favorite podcast player of choice. Of course, though, 
the opposite flip side of that is that if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, you are also automatically subscribed to the Italian real estate podcast that Marco and I also collaborate on. But if you're also interested in more content about life abroad, living abroad, living abroad as an Italian dual citizen expat in Italy or elsewhere in the EU, be sure that you come over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Rafael Di Furia, or you can find the audio only version of my podcast available on your favorite podcast player as not your average globetrotter. Of course, we have been here yet again with Italian attorney Marco Permunian from ItalianCitizenshipAssistance.com for another episode of the Italian Citizenship Podcast. I'm Rafael Di Furia. Stay safe and healthy out there, and we will see you all next time. Later. Thank you.